Welcome to Foundation and Family, the Erica Diaz Show, where real estate wisdom meets family life. I'm Erica Diaz, here to share stories, insights, and inspiration for building homes and nurturing hearts. Let's dive in together. Welcome to Foundation and Family, a podcast where we talk about all things real estate related and life in between. I'm Erica Diaz, your host today, and we are privileged to talk to two of my team agents that have been licensed for a little over a year. So today's topic is work-life balance with moms in a busy, bustling real estate world. Today, we have Ms. Ann Brown. Hello. And Michelle Gurney. Hello. So let's dive right in. Ms. Ann, how long have you been licensed? I've been licensed about a year and a half. Okay. And what volume have you done in your first year? I did a little bit over $5 million my first year. And honestly, it wasn't even a full year. Right. So when you started the team, you didn't jump into lead pool for how long? I want to say about six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks. So probably more like nine months, you were able to accomplish $5 million. Yes, ma'am. So what do you think of real estate so far? I love what I do. Do you really? <laughs> yeah, sure. I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Michelle, tell me about your entry into real estate and what that looked like. Okay. So I got my license in 2021, I believe. Um, so a little over two years and I worked it alongside of a part-time job. And then I have made a decision to go full-time. So this past year was my first full year as a realtor. And what did you do in your first full year as a realtor? Uh, my first full year, I did $10 million in volume as well as 29 closed transactions. That's incredible. So you did that on a team, obviously. Correct. Our team, if you didn't notice. <laughs> so tell me about how you juggle open houses versus your house being open. Like being a mom... And working in real estate. How are you juggling that? Because you have two kids, right? Correct. That are pretty both involved in competitive sports. Yes. Full-time sports. Yeah, travel sports. Correct. So how has that been for you? Um, thankfully for me, I have a supportive husband that is very encouraging mm -hmm. and wants me to do real estate. So on his days off, I really don't have to worry about kids because he just makes it happen. Um, but when those events that I have to be at, I kind of schedule around them and then I plan my weekend based on what day do you want me to be there? Like they know I'm not going to be there for all of it all weekend. So do they want me to be there on Saturday or do they want me to be there on Sunday? If they want me on Saturday, then Sunday I work. If they want me Sunday, I work Saturday. So it sounds to me like time blocking is something that you are very proficient at. And I got to tell you, she's probably the best in the office with her notebook and like scheduling out, color coded, writing things yes. out. Yes. So I'm obsessed. Obsessed. And but I have a new planner coming tomorrow. I'm so excited. That's so exciting. We need to see it. Yeah. We need to see it. So tell me about how you got into time blocking and what that has been able to allow you to achieve. Well, I just felt very frazzled. I yeah. felt like it got to a point where I was like, when's the last time I took a day off to rest? Yeah. And I had realized it had been about uh, 16 days. Yeah. And that wears on you emotionally and uh, physically. Yeah. So then I just decided, okay, well, I was so hungry for business. I let my clients run my life. Yeah. And then my family got on the back burner. So my daughter would make comments like, are you going to be home today? And I was like, wait, I'm not working 24-hour shifts anymore. Why is she asking me if I'm going to even be home? And it's because I was never home. Right. And so I just realized it got to a point where I needed to control my life and my business. And so I set the expectation with my clients, listen, I'm going to be there rain or shine Monday through Saturday. 
but Sunday, unless the house is physically not available or I'm not physically available, on Saturday we'll open it up. And so I just kind of set that standard with them where they respected my time too. Right. It's huge. Mm -hmm. And then I had to carve out time for family because, as you always say, they are an appointment. And I remember driving and telling them, shh, shh, shh. You know, I got a work call. You guys can't talk. You can't be kids for a minute. And then I realized that's not fair for them either. Right. So time blocking has been huge for you. Are you finding that you're more of an early bird or a night owl? Well, I have huge aspirations to be an early bird. Ugh. I would like to because then I can I feel like I would have time for myself to have peace and wake my wake up, have a cup of coffee, have a devotional exercise. But I am not an early bird no. and it's more like get up, get up, get up. The whole house is going to be late. Like yeah. throwing baby like muffins at the kids, like get in the car. Yeah. I know that story all too well. And not to be a one-upper, but the birth of the team kind of came after a 90-day span for me where I had been on for 90 days and I had three small kids and it just wasn't healthy. And like you're talking about being that 5 a.m. or I'm trying, but gosh, yeah, it's hard. It's yeah, I, it's, I'm not an early bird. I'm a night owl. What about you? I'm not an early bird. My kids are older. Right. So I don't have to death. Like, I don't have to deal with that part of it anymore. Um, so, yeah, I get up when I choose to get up, but I am a late nighter, though. I'll go to sleep, like, really late. And my clients can reach out to me at 10 o'clock at night, and I'm answering the phones. Yeah, <laughs> which actually, speaking of, I think you answered the phone at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning one morning. I did. So um, <laughs> how did that call go? It didn't go very well. I did answer the phone, but... Um, Oh, wow. How do I say this? Well, let me digress. Um, our lead funnels come through to the agents and they ring out basically 24 hours a day if people are calling and it rings directly to their phones. So one night this fella was calling and he called like two or three of our agents that night and two of them answered, which my first answer was, why did you answer at 2 a.m.? Well, you did. I did. And what did he, what'd you get on the other end? I got something quite sexual. So yeah, yeah we're not going to talk about that, but I thought it was a lead and I'm, Hey, I'm here to serve my clients. So I answered the phone and it was not the call that I expected. Well, <laughs> no, no. And, um, I think that same guy got two or at least one other agent. And mm -hmm. she said, when I asked her, why did you answer the phone at 2 AM? She said, I thought it was a different time zone. I was going to sell a house. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So I think it's safe to say that we probably have a few more night owls than early birds, but uh, that 5 a.m. thing is real. If you can get up and actually start your morning slow and have some peace to it instead of that fire drill that happens in my house every morning, get up, get up, we're going to be late. And then you're just hot when you walk in the office every morning. So tell me in your experience over the past year, what's harder, like a toddler tantrum or a client tantrum? Mm, that one's a tough one. Yeah, it is. I would say a client one because you can't speak loud. Yeah, yeah. No, you, know, you can't. I don't know if you're allowed to say that or not, but like when my daughter has a tantrum, I can put her in timeout or whatnot. Yeah. When it's a client tantrum, then I just have to grin and bear it and just try to make the best of the moment. Yeah, that is tough. So what about you? Have you had any major client tantrums yet? Oh, absolutely. Okay, how did they go? <clears throat> As Michelle just said, you just put on your best face, you smile, and you deal with it the best way you can. You're thinking other things, but your client is not going to know your real thoughts behind 
what you're dealing with. So, And I think to kind of piggyback on that, that's kind of the benefit about being on the team because we can come in here and vent about these moments. Right. So we can get it out and right. we're not holding on to it. And then we can also learn what you have done in that similar situation or what another client, uh, another agent has done in that similar situation. So we know how to move forward and make the best of the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is a huge uh, component of the team is the combined experience here is tremendous. So if someone comes in and says they don't want to do this, 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 usually I'll be like, wait, let's approach it this way or let's mm-hmm. try it that way so that we can get this result, which is ultimately what they want. They just haven't been able to figure it out yet. So the, the bank of knowledge in this building because of the number of transactions is tremendous. So tell me, okay, tell me your most favorite thing about real estate so far. My most favorite thing about real estate so far is I really do love what I do. I love when I first meet a client and getting them to the space of where we're now closing the transaction and handing them their keys and seeing that big old smile on their face. I absolutely love that part of it because we meet as strangers and we close like family, you know? So for me, that's very, very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. What about you? I would agree 100%. It's the relationship that you build with the clients. Yeah. You spend so much time and you get to know them on such a personal level that there's been a few clients that I'm actually sad. I'm like, can I just call you afterward? And like, can we still hang out? Because you spend so much time with them. You actually miss that friendship and you want to continue to hang out with them. So um, I think at one point, one of my clients got very close to me and they had mutual friends. And then after the transaction, actually it was Paige, we'll just say it. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't as available to her. And then I believe the story goes that Suzanne actually said, oh, you got friend zoned. Like you're not client zoned anymore because the friends actually get a little less time than the clients mm-hmm. in the minute, in the moment that you're going through it. So it it is real that you're very intimate with these clients during this period of time and you're talking to them regularly and you're talking about finances and you're talking about big moves that you don't always have that same availability for that client after they get friend zoned after the transaction. So that can be challenging. So can I say this? Just last week, I had breakfast with my first client and she reached out to me and she was like, you know, Ms. Ann, I haven't seen you. So much has happened. We met up for breakfast. And like I said, it was like a relationship that we had built from the time we met to the fact that here she is now. We closed on our house maybe about seven months ago and she reached out to me. It was on Valentine's Day. She's like, are you available on Valentine's Day? And I'm like, Actually, I am. I've been married a long time, so Valentine's Day is just another day. So um, we met, and it was great, and I just love those relationships that we're able to build. Well, and then I thought at lunch she actually referred you a client, too. She did. Yeah, she did. so that's great. And then did you meet with that client? Not yet, but we okay. will. Okay, I Soon. wasn't sure if that was the client that came through. That was another client. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All these clients. It's hard for me to keep them straight. So tell me one thing that you didn't realize about real estate and that maybe you don't love. Michelle? Um, I guess that you're always on mm-hmm. and clients don't really care that you're a mom and you might be at a sporting event with your family. They want you available then. Right. So. Well, and that's kind of our on-demand culture. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And if you can't think of something off the top of your head, I can tell you a comment that you've told me. And I think you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's true. Go for it. Okay. So you said, I didn't realize that, like, the door didn't just keep opening and people just walking through. Like, I didn't know I had to go kill what I was going to eat. Like, correct. you just thought it was like shooting in a stock barrel. I did. Yeah. So a little different. Completely. Completely. Yeah. (laughs) So it can be hard. I mean, real estate is more challenging than I think most realize. So real estate, you think of just selling homes, getting people in their houses, creating this lifelong American dream. But you don't think about like the social media that goes into it, or maybe even this podcast that goes into it, which if we're being honest, this is our second filming of it. It And I did make you guys tequila this time. That's right. But why? Why did I make you guys tequila this time? So we would be relaxed. Right. Because the last time we did this, y'all were both so nervous and scared. So there's a whole nother world to real estate, which is the advertising side. How do you feel about constantly having to put yourself out there on social media and reels and stories and podcasts and all the things? I mean, my life is completely public at this point. So how do you feel about all of the marketing of this that goes along with selling a house? So for me, I, I get why we have to do it. I get why we do do it. The more I personally do it, the more comfortable I am because I understand the bigger picture of it. So you're right. I did not realize that's what it was going to be initially. Mm-hmm. A year in, I understand the process. Yeah. So, What about you? Yeah, so it is definitely a lot and it is time consuming because you have to make sure when you're in the moment of doing things that you're documenting it too. So the public sees that you're working. I've had a lot of comments over the past year say, oh, I didn't know you're still working because I didn't see you posting anything. And it's like, well, mm. that's why you didn't <laughs> because I was actually so busy. I didn't have time yeah. to film it, to edit and to post it. Right. Um, when I'm not so busy, you see it more. Right. Um, but it is, that's how they look at you is if they don't see you on social media, then you're not working. Right. And that's a constant thing like, oh, we're showing houses, so it's on our stories or it's here or it's there. So it can be very overwhelming. So how do you do self-care and work-life balance? Because this can be overwhelming. Um, Right now, it looks great on paper for self-care. Okay. But I haven't actually followed through with that so that it's non-existent. Okay. But I would like to get to a point where I can be more strict with my time too and right. have have that. Yeah, and that's huge. What about you? How are you balancing self-care versus I'm still everyone to, else's care? I'm still trying to figure that part out to be honest with you. To me, everyone else is I've made them a priority than myself. So I'm still trying to figure that out. Um I will definitely say for me it is hard and it's taken years and I'm still not there completely, but I do try to prioritize my health and my sleeping and my time with my family, um, especially this past year, because I had gotten to a point where I just wasn't healthy. I wasn't feeling good. And I was coaching. And I think most people know the story. We talked about it in a different podcast. My coach was like, yeah, you're overweight. Like you're overweight. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. (laughs) So I picked my coach for his crudeness. I expected 
this kind of stuff from him. So I did go on that journey to lose weight and put myself first and then put my kids first. And now we're talking about some more crazy stuff that will open up more time in my schedule just so I can pour into my kids and these last couple of years that I have them at home, because ultimately I think that is what we're here for, like building those foundations with our kids. So yours are already kind of gone, right? Kind of, sort of, kind of. Kind of, sort of, kind of. So that's a little bit easier for you. It is. And then the time blocking is easier. But self-care is still so important. It, and you're right. And again, I'm trying to figure that part of it out. Yeah. I need to give myself more time for me and taking care of me. But right now, everyone else is a priority. And I'm just trying to figure out that balance. It's coming. So what's one of the funniest things you've seen on a showing? Um, The Fact that nobody cleans their house. Yeah. Like, I would be so embarrassed. Yeah. But just walking in and seeing dirty undergarments. Yeah. Like, we're stepping over them. Yeah. And I'm trying to get a client to buy this house. Yep. And look past all of this. But there's just so much stuff everywhere that it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I will say in some of my divorce client situations... It gets very intense where there will be panties or this or that. And nobody's really working towards this common goal because they've got so much um, tumultuous activity going on in the house that they're like, we hired you to do that. I don't care about that. You you figure that out. And I'm like, right. but, but, but I need you to pick up your panties. I, yeah. I don't want to pick up your panties. Um, I can think of three houses that I've mm-hmm. had to like slide panties off to the side with my shoes. Yeah, I will say for me, similar to yours, Michelle, just a dirty house. I've shown or tried to show a house where we did not get past the foyer from the front door because my client was like, no, thanks, I'm good. It was dark, it was cluttered, and it was dirty. So we totally bypassed that house for that reason. Yeah, Yeah. I remember um, when I was, I don't show buyers as much anymore. But I remember taking one set of buyers out on a tour and uh, the house was horrible. It was, it was just terrible. And the client happened to be there. No, the seller happened to be there. So I represented the buyer and I could see in their face, they were like, we want out. They're right there and we want out right now. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the back, I opened the slider and I said, oh, this is so my fault. They're only looking at homes with pools. I'm so sorry. Sorry for your time. And then I walked out and they were like, thank you. And they weren't looking for homes with only pools, but I could see that they wanted out. I equally wanted out. And the seller's like, come, let me show you my house. And I'm like, oh, none of us want to see your house. So that was the fastest thing I could think of. And I was like, oh, if it had a pool, I was going to be like, oh, they don't want a pool. If it didn't have a pool, I was going to be like, they wanted a pool. You know, whatever the case was, it was going to be the opposite. And then we were able to get out really quick. And so when we got out there, like, how did you think of that? I'm like, I, I didn't want to be there any more than you wanted to be there. Like, I was afraid I was going to catch something. So, right. you know, there's definitely some gross houses you walk into. Definitely. Yeah. It happens. So what's one bit of advice you would give a brand new agent? Um, I would say take one day at a time. You know, um, it's going to sound like or feel like a fire hose of information coming at you. And it can be very overwhelming. So maybe set... Um, education times where, okay, for 30 minutes, I'm going to look at Stellar MLS. For 30 minutes, I'm going to look at um, my brokerage education SOPs that they have for me. 
and then 30 minutes here, let's work on something else. Cause if you try to do it all, yeah, it's going to be very overwhelming and you're going to, it's going to feel not fun. Yeah, absolutely. What about you? For me, my first advice would be to join a team. Join a team. I agree this is yeah. a lot of information. And like you said, Michelle, I remember when I first started, you said to me, real estate is like drinking water from a fire hose. And I get it. You were absolutely correct. So I would say join a team because you have that support. You have right. the experienced agents that you can learn from as opposed to trying to learn it all on your own. So that was one of the biggest things for me. And that would be my recommendation. So what about goals for this year, for 2024? What are your goals? How many houses do you want to sell? I would love to sell 30. 30. And what about you? Uh, 50. 50. So those are big numbers. Do you think you could do those numbers? And this isn't like, oh, let's pat the team on the back. Let's really ask. Like, do you think you could do those numbers without a team? Without a team? No. Absolutely not. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that whole theory, though, that people talk like work smarter, not harder, instead of giving away half your money. Why do you think it's more beneficial to be on a team versus not? To me, I just love the team camaraderie that we have. I like that I don't have to worry about social media in those moments so that I don't have time. I can just repost what the team has already created. I don't have to necessarily worry about the office side of it. Right. And how to run a business, I can just do my job as a real estate agent. I can focus more time on my clients yeah. than I am on making sure we have copy paper or yeah. whatever else it may be. Right. And I wish Cassie were here because she's in that phase of her business where she's learned to vacation and manage it. And I, I swear every time that girl goes on vacation, it's where it's awesome. she puts like five houses under contract. And it's all of us out there showing her houses for her. And I'm like... <laughs> I want that client. I just did all the work. But so, you know, that I think the team concept does help with. But I get why people want to be single agents. So what do you think about team life versus single agent? But although you were never a single agent, you were. I was. You were. I Yeah. So I've never not been on a team. Um, and I just cannot imagine doing this on my own. Like you said, Cassie, she's on vacation and she has four offers that has been accepted because the rest of her team has stepped in and helped. And that's a big benefit to being on a team is the support that you also get with that team. So I cannot imagine not having the support that I get from this team. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about when you were a single agent. I just... I was lonely. Like I like to be around people. And also I was a new agent, so I had no idea what I was doing. And I feel like most of my growth has been sitting in the office, listening to other people's real estate conversations um, and how they handle things. Yeah. So for me, I just, it, it wasn't for me, to be honest. Right. So circling back to like the goal setting and like your planning, I do think you are really good at setting out parameters for yourself. And I've heard you say in the office, if I'm not showing X amount of houses, then I'm not writing an offer. Can you like dive into that? So new agents out there kind of can expect because Ms. Ann just thought the door just wide open, just funneled in. And then you were like, after a while, you realized I need to be showing X. Yes, so I know that for every 10 doors I open, I'm going to write one offer to a pre-approved buyer. Um, Right now, that number is higher, I think, because I'm working with a lot of investors right now, and it's all just a numbers game of what fits their mold. But if it's a buyer looking for a primary residence, I know every 10 doors I open for them, I'll write one offer. So if I have a goal to 
um, right and off for a week so I can hit my goals of three to four closings a month. I know every week it's 10. Right. And when I'm feeling a funk in my business, well, how many doors did I open this week? Oh, yeah, I opened two. Well, what did I think would come from that? Like, right. you know, so then I have to go into my database and, and create opportunity, create it. So I'll go back and find people that were like 90 days out right. or just thinking about it. And I will start sending them listings of houses that meet their criteria. Right. And like, hey, let me know what you think. I have some time this week. Do you want to just go see it? Right. And if I can get them in the house, even though they weren't quite ready, if I can get them visualizing being there, then I can motivate them to go get pre-approved. And that will also help. Well, and that's one of the biggest parts of this, right, is figuring out motivation and what is their motivation to buy. And then you can help sell that idea because if it's that they've got four kids and they're living in a three bedroom or if that they are driving 45 minutes for school or they want to relocate for work or whatever, just learning what that motivation is. But having the skill set to figure that out is huge. And I think sometimes single agents don't actually learn the skill set to convert clients on the phone. So exactly what you're saying, like you have to have X amount of doors to have X amount of transactions. And it can be very predictable if you're doing that. But that's part of what we sit down with you and say, hey, weekly and monthly and yearly and quarterly, this is your goal, this is what it takes, and this is how you're going to achieve it. I think for me as a single agent, when I started, I was just like flying by the seat of my pants, like I'm going to wing it. And then it worked. I don't know how, but the marketplace was really different. I don't feel like it was as competitive then either. And social media was really just kind of taking off. And so I feel like I had capitalized on that. But now it feels like all the tricks and tips of the trade, there's so many. You can capitalize on so many different lead pillars. It, it's just really challenging, I think, in our industry. So right. what have you figured out that you need to be doing on a consistent basis so that you can hit your targets? Staying in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, making those calls, the follow you know, up, the follow up, the follow up in the calls. Um, yeah, you know, so I will talk to you last month and you say, Hey, I might be ready in six months. Well, I will reach back out to you and, you know, share market information that you might not be aware of just right. staying in front of these clients that even if it's just in the back of their minds to purchase, giving them the reason as to why the timing might be right for them based on their scenario, based on their situation that they've shared with me in the past. So just staying in front of them. Another thing that I do as well, if they say they're six months out or a year out, well, I need a paycheck in six months as well and also in a year. So I just set two-month reminders for that client. And every two months, I'm going to reach out with them and probably every other time, see if they'll meet me for coffee. Right. And that way I'm building that relationship. And I'm not just about them and buying a house. I'm trying to build that relationship over the next six months to a year and hopefully build loyalty to me because that's the worst thing is when you don't follow up with somebody and they just find somebody else in the moment. Yeah. And that happens in our industry because if you don't follow up with them, somebody else will. Mm -hmm. And that it's so easy. I think the lay consumer thinks that everyone's on a salary. I don't know who they think pays the salary, (laughs) but I think they're like, Oh yeah, you showed me five houses. Thanks. But I wrote the offer over there with that listing agent. It's like, uh, so educating our buyers on what the process actually looks like is huge too. So, and then if, like I said, if you don't follow up with them, somebody else will. And they're serial Zillow buyers too. Yes. Like, 
I'll see people in our database and then I'll be talking to somebody else and they will have been in their database. And so they're getting nurtured left and right, maybe by some people. And so it's really who's better at their job, really. Right. Yeah. It's so funny. Excuse me. I'm working with um, a client who is actually currently pending and will be closing tomorrow. Yes. Um, thank you. Um, so he had shared with me, hey, yeah, let the sellers know that we are interested, you know, putting in an offer, not realizing the time and what goes into putting in that offer. So when, when I sent them, I think it was, what, 36 pages from the offer, he was he said to me, oh, wait, wow, I thought it was just a letter that you were going to write. I yeah. didn't realize yeah. it was so much work that goes into it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, as I'm sending it at 1030 at night, right? So, but yeah. thank God they're closing tomorrow. Yeah, well, and, and that has <clears throat> happened even with me where they're like, okay, yeah, we're going to put in an offer. I'm like, okay, let's do that. And then they're like, wait, so you mean I have to like sign stuff? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's how this yeah. happens. Like, I need your pre-approval. Like, it's a little more official than just like, hey, seller. Can we handshake this? So I do think that, you know, if someone hasn't bought a house, they really don't know the process, Correct. which that's what we're here for is right. to educate them and guide them. And then to be there on the back end, because I can't tell you how many buyers I have touched this year that had bought in our database, which I never loved that. Um, but then I've said, okay, hey, you bought a house, no big deal. I just want to make sure that you did homestead your home. And they're like, what is that? And I'm like, well, that's going to protect your tax. And so that's a relationship that we can build on there because I think so many agents will get the deal, get it done, and then move on and not think right. about it twice. And I'm guilty of that. You know, eight years ago, I didn't have a CRM. I There's probably 100 people that I sold a house to that I don't remember their name. They don't remember my name. And I can't find their information now, but someone else is working them. And that's because that new baby agent that was just pounding the pavement, she was just trying to survive. But now with systems and technology, we can be more intentional with our clients. Right. Okay. So girls, we're going to play rapid fire. And if your answer doesn't match mine, uh, you have to drink. Okay. So... <laughs> In the morning, well, that's not very good because y'all are going to know some of my answers. Okay, wait. In the morning, do you prefer coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. Okay. Uh, text or call for client updates? Text. Call. Drink. Oh. Okay. Do you prefer open houses or private showings? Private showings. Uh, private showings. Okay. Uh, most essential nursery item in your office? What do you mean nursery? Yeah. That's what it says. Nursery item. It's mom's in real estate. Okay. Uh, wet wipes? Yeah. That's a good one. Did you drink? No, not you yet. You better just I'm, drink. I'm out of <laughs> drink. <laughs> okay. Um, favorite guilty pleasure TV show after a long day of showing? Oh, man. Okay. Real Housewives. Beverly Hills. Really? Yeah, because I like to see the rich and drink. famous miserable. <laughs> she drinks. What about you? Um... Oh, God. Um, but I think I know yours. What's mine? Tell me. So I don't have to drink. It's either Suits or Down With Love. It's, 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 it's. No, Suits I'm done with, but Down With Love. I, okay. I absolutely love it. Drink, drink. <laughs> yep. And, and I'm done with that one, too, but it's so freaking cute. Um, social media. Love it or hate it? Love it. Drink. Yeah. I'm not loving it, but I understand it's essential. Yeah. That's why I figured yeah. it was yeah. a love it. Nope. <laughs> I don't love all the things I have to do. 
Um, most unexpected place you've ever taken a work call? Shower. Bathroom. Yeah. 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 Definitely mm-hmm. shower. Early morning showings or late night? Early morning. I would prefer drink later in the night because I'm not a morning person yep. and it's too too busy. Quick meal prep for a busy week. Like what do I do? Yeah. What is your favorite quick meal prep or maybe your favorite tool at home in the um, kitchen? Frozen pizza. Okay. Drink. <laughs> pasta. Some kind of pasta. Drink. Oh. Mine would be the Instapot. I Instapot or Crock-Pot all the time just um, to make what happen. Um, okay. Go to stress. Gym, nap, or chocolate? Chocolate. Chocolate. Yes. No one's drinking there. That is definitely mine. Okay. Well, girls, I have loved having you on Foundation and Family. Make sure you subscribe and like down below and wait for our next episode to come out. It's all about Foundation and Family, and we talk about adoption. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.